This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Intelligence have made it easier to find those who cut corners on their taxes. But right now, Democratic presidential candidate Robert Kennedy Jr. joins On Balance with Leland Vittert. And he's going right at President Biden, saying Americans should vote for a president who will actually finish out his term. I'm Elizabeth Vargas. Have a great weekend. We'll see you right back here Monday night. Have a good one. Welcome to the Ferris Show on television. First tonight, will history repeat? We should be voting for a president who we expect to complete the term. RFK Jr. on President Biden's dismal polls and diminishing chances of a second term. How Biden's woes look a lot like the last Democratic president to walk away. And I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. One Earth, Two Worlds. A biblical storm pounds China, and nobody mentions climate change or China's expanding use of fossil fuels. Why Hurricane Lee will show American media cares about politics and power, not the climate. New plan. This issue will destroy New York City. The White House floats an answer to migrants overwhelming New York. They're searching for things that work. If they can't keep them out of the United States, how will they keep them in Texas? Mea culpa. I was an idiot today. Country star Zach Bryan does the right thing. Have we finally found a celebrity to be a role model? Nice to have you with us this evening. Happy Friday from Washington. Turns out the political pundits might, might, have this year's presidential race all wrong, especially Republican pundits and especially Republican candidates. They keep comparing Joe Biden to the famously unpopular Jimmy Carter. And to be fair, there are similarities. A first-term Democratic president laden with high inflation, foreign policy embarrassments, big promises of social change, and a general malaise in the country. That describes 1978, 79. It describes current-day America. Carter famously lost to Reagan after a bitter primary fight, but the general election turned on a simple question put forth by Reagan in the debate. Are you better off than you were four years ago? If you don't agree... If you don't think that this course that we've been on for the last four years is what you would like to see us follow for the next four, then I could suggest another choice that you have. Because of that debate performance and others, Reagan won in a landslide. So it makes sense that every Republican wants 2024 to be 1980 all over again. But what if this isn't 1980? What if it's 1968? with feelings of anger and discontent in America. 
A lot of you remember 1968. Those feelings exist today. What if it's 1968 with an incredibly unpopular Democratic president facing a primary challenge from a guy named Kennedy? Of course, Richard Nixon won in 68, so the Trumpers might be happy with this historical game, but history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, so we won't get carried away to the general election. As we told you, though, last night, President Biden's polling hit a dismal 35% approval rating. That's awful by any standards. It's actually a point lower than Lyndon Baines Johnson's 36% in March of 68. That was just two weeks after Robert F. Kennedy announced his primary challenge. I am announcing today my candidacy for the presidency of the United States. I do not run for the presidency merely to oppose any man, but to propose new policies. I run because I am convinced that this country is on a perilous course. Yeah, there's a lot of people who believe we are on a perilous course again. Kennedy back then talked about the extreme divide in America, the anger between black and white America, and the huge divide between rich and poor in America. Here we are once again. Of course, I didn't mention one thing about March of 1968. When LBJ hit 36% just two weeks after Robert F. Kennedy announced his primary challenge, Johnson, the sitting president, dropped out. With us now, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. from South Carolina, where President Biden would like to have the first of the DNC primary events. Good to see you, sir. We appreciate it. I know you've seen the polling, uh, as have I. 1968 contest when your father was in the race. LBJ uh, got to 36% as his favorability rating, uh, and he dropped out of the race. CNN polling right now, Joe Biden at 35% favorability. Is it time for Joe Biden to drop out? Is that the message from the voters? Well, I think that uh, it's time for him to campaign, to, you know, to actually to leave the White House, come out and have unscripted events with, with American voters. I don't think it's a good thing for our democracy um, or the Democratic Party if the president, if the only people the president is talking to are his big donors. Um, he needs to come out and see that what I'm seeing, which is a, a very, very high level of discontent among the American people, people living at a level of desperation. Uh, uh, the average salary in this country is now $5,000 less than the average cost of living. Uh, people are paying for that deficit on their credit cards and getting charged 22% interest. It is not sustainable. President Biden is campaigning on this idea that he's brought prosperity to this country. But a lot of voters feel that they're being gaslighted because they are not seeing the prosperity in their lives. And I think he yeah, needs yeah. to come out and hear the stories. Yeah, the CNN polling showed that way more than half of America thinks that his, his economic policies are hurting America, not helping. Uh, unquestionably, uh, the pain that you talk about that Americans are feeling um, is real. Uh, but then I say, who's ahead in the national polls? And if you look at your numbers versus Joe Biden's over the past couple of months, uh, look, it is impressive where you are at and what you've been able to achieve. 
um, at about 13%, but it, sometimes you are as high as 20, but you've yet to really eat in to Joe Biden's numbers. He's still well above 50%. Why do you think that is? Well, first of all, those numbers are just Democratic voters. So they're, they're voters who voted for Biden the last time around. But, you know, what we're seeing in our numbers where we do likely Democratic voters, we're seeing numbers that are much higher than that, that get up to almost the 40 percent for me uh, in the early primary states. So, um, you know, I think a lot of those voters that you're seeing are people who are are very, very strong. They're primary Democrats who are mainly getting their news from MSNBC yeah. Uh, from CNN and from the New York Times, and they're um, and they're uh, and so they, I think they have a, a different vision of a viewpoint of, of President Biden and also of me uh, than they would get than other people are getting. Look, I, you you brought up the issue of President Biden needing to get out on the campaign trail and work for this. Um, and he's he has managed to, by dint of the incumbency and by the DNC protecting him, as many incumbents have, uh, insulate himself from, from having to be out on the trail. That said, we also know that the White House is loath to put him out um, in unscripted events. Uh, he's now using the mini stairs to get on and off Air Force One because of, of the issues in the past. He's not having one-on-one uh, -on -one interactions with voters and working rope lines in the way that we, we used to see him do or have unscripted moments with reporters because of the gaffes. The obvious answer is, is that's because they're worried because of his age. Kamala Harris was asked about that uh, while she was overseas. Take a listen. Are you prepared to be commander in chief? Yes, I am, if necessary. But Joe Biden is going to be fine. And let me tell you something. I work with Joe Biden every day. The work that under Joe Biden's leadership, our administration has accomplished is transformative. Your response. Well, I, you know, I think it's still an issue that people want to see Joe Biden in action. They want to know that he's running the country and that it's not enough. And I've heard a few Democrats say this, that, well, he's surrounded by people who know how to run the country. And therefore, um, it doesn't matter if he is uh, if he lacks the, the mental acuity or the, the cognitive capacity because he has good people around him. But. That is that is not a, a good uh, template for democracy. You know, we should be voting for the people who run this country. They shouldn't just be kind of faceless men in, in lanyards who, um, who nobody's ever heard of, who have no accountability to the voter, who are not explaining the policies right. and standing up for them. And so I, I don't, you know, I think that it may be the, the sunny picture that, the vice president paints of President Biden, um, you know, may or may not be true, but I think it's important for Americans to, you know, there's enough doubt do, do about she's, those things. That I, uh, I got two points. One, I mean, to, to your point, there was a reason a couple of times on the program we joked that uh, Ron Klain, the chief of staff, should have been called Prime Minister Ron Klain um, during, during his tenure uh, at the White House. But do you agree with Kamala Harris's statement that she's ready to be commander in chief? If something happened to Joe Biden? Uh, I'm sure she feels that she's ready. The, I, I, know, I know that I'm sure she does as well. I'm just I'm asking if you feel like she's ready. 
Well, I think we should be in, we should be voting for a president who we expect to complete the term. Uh, not, you know, I think we, we, you vote for a president for four years. The understanding is that they're going to be able to serve four years. So, I, you know, and I think if, if Kamala Harris uh, feels that she should be president, then let's run. And let's, you know, let's have a contest and let's have her um, make her case to the voters. But let's not, uh, let's not uh, elect, you know, I mean, let, let's not have a non-election for somebody okay, who, um, you know, I'll, if, they, I'll, if, they I'll, I'll take if they can't come to the voters and make the case. I'll take that as a gentleman's no, but I won't make you say it. Um, RFK polling versus GOP candidates. Kennedy, 13 percent. DeSantis, 13 percent. Ramaswamy's at eight. Haley's at six. So this is where you both relatively stand within the primary fight. Ron DeSantis is all over the place uh, in terms of uh, conservative media. And obviously, uh, more liberal media would love to have him on. Vivek Ramaswamy all over the place. Nikki Haley. uh, We've been trying to book her for weeks on and on and on. But you made the point um, the Democrats aren't getting their news, aren't aren't hearing from you on MSNBC. You don't get invited on that much. You're you're not really covered as much by traditional broadcast, uh, except in a pretty negative light. I'm wondering if you think that that is a conspiracy? Is it a sort of decided uh, strategy? Why is it that you at 13 percent are not taken nearly as seriously as Ron DeSantis at 13 percent? I think it is curious. I'm not, you know, invited on CNN. uh, We've tried to get on. The only person who's allowed me on was Michael Shmurkanish, and uh, my understanding is that he got in trouble for that. Um, mm. I, you know, uh, and I, I'm not, uh, I'm not invited on MSNBC at all, and haven't been for many, many years. So I, you know, Jake Tapper uh, recently said, after you know, CNN has hosted town halls for Nikki Haley, who has one or two percent or three percent of the vote, <coughs> and yet I have thirteen percent. Even by this poll, I have thirteen percent, and more than any other Republican challenger, all of them are allowed on CNN. All of them are allowed on MSNBC. Uh, but Jake Tapper said that he would never do a town hall for me with me. Interesting. So I think. Yeah, well, uh, I, mean, look. I think it's a peculiar. Yeah, we know we, we I mean, obviously we, we did do a town hall with you and we were honored uh, to have done it. I thought you and Elizabeth Vargas together were great and there were some good moments and great questions. I'll end with this. You're in South Carolina. Um, obviously, Iowa and New Hampshire traditionally uh, and Nevada were the first were the first contests. Now, Joe Biden has moved South Carolina up because he thinks that he has a real advantage of there. The one advantage that you might have in South Carolina is the ability to get disenfranchised or unhappy independents and Republicans to come over and vote for you. And that would change the dynamic. What are you doing specifically to try to reach out to them? What part of your message you think is resonating? Well, you know, I'm in every town, every city in the state. We're going to have multiple headquarters in the state. Uh, I'm drawing huge crowds in the state, both of traditional Democrats um, and of people who you described, independents and Republicans. So, you know, I feel very optimistic about this state. I feel like, uh, you know, I feel people here feel that I am hearing them 
and that they want an alternative. And these are traditional Democrats, black and white, and, uh, and the independent Republican voters as well who, are, who feel homeless now. Yeah, there's a lot of voters um, who feel homeless. Mr. Kennedy, we appreciate your time, sir. Uh, really glad, given, uh, given that we've been looking forward to having you on for so long, that uh, we were able to make this work this afternoon. Godspeed on the campaign trail. We'll catch up soon. Thank you so much for having me. A Republican-led bill in Wisconsin says high schoolers who graduate in the top 5% of their class get automatic admission to the University of Wisconsin. Uh, that includes UW-Madison that right now only takes one in eight applicants. And for some reason, the idea of admitting the top 5% of all high school graduates from every high school in Wisconsin is controversial. Critics say it's veiled racism with anti-diversity intentions. Those critics, of course, are welcome to come on and discuss any time. But in the meantime, Wisconsin State Rep, co-author of the bill, David Murphy, is here. Appreciate you joining us, sir. As I understand it, I just want to make sure I got the facts... I'm, I want to, want, to, want to make sure I understand the facts here. Um, this sure. is 5%, whether you graduate from the inner city of Milwaukee, you're in the top 5% of that high school class, you're in the top 5% of the most rural high school uh, in, in Wisconsin from a dairy farm, you graduate in the top 5%. No matter who you are, black, white, brown, anything, you get into the University of Wisconsin system. Exactly. And it's interesting that people are calling this racist because in other states, for instance, California, uh, they've done something similar and it's for uh, affirmative action purposes. Uh, when Proposition 209 went in in California, uh, the, the people of California uh, outlawed affirmative action in that state and their system came in with a similar type of proposal so that they could bring in more minorities. All right, we're looking at some video from UW-Madison, a very fine institution. Um, mm -hmm. as are a lot of this, the Wisconsin state schools. Acceptance rate, 60% of in-state applicants required to enroll at least 3,600 in-state students each academic year. Um, the legislation would apply to about 3,500 students. You point out there's, there's states across the political spectrum, Arizona, Colorado, California, Florida, Illinois, Idaho, Iowa, Kansas, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, South Dakota, and Texas who have this. Colorado, very blue state. Yep. Uh, certainly California, you point out, very blue. Again, why do you think this is controversial? Well, I held a series of hearings last spring on free speech uh, on college campuses. And the president of the UW system, uh, President Jay Rothman, uh, actually said during those hearings that uh, declining enrollment within the university system was a big problem. And one of the areas that it was uh, manifesting itself the most was amongst white males. And as a legislature, legislator and uh, being chair of the committee, I have a lot of uh, students and parents that will contact me because uh, they don't feel it was proper that they did not get into the flagship campus, University of Wisconsin-Madison. And one of those uh, students that uh, came to me recently was a, um, a white male, and he was, in, he was actually third in his class of, of like 500 students. And hmm. so on one hand, the university is telling me they don't have enough, uh, that white males aren't enrolling. And on the other hand, uh, high achieving uh, students like this 
are not being taken. It's hard to understand why, especially somebody from Wisconsin who was third in their class, they wouldn't they wouldn't want to take. As we look across the state of Wisconsin, the this is, got, I just want to read I'm this quote. I only got about 30 seconds. So I want to, let me just read this real quick. As we look across the state of Wisconsin, this is Taylor Oldie, assistant professor with the School of the Education's Department of Educational Policy Studies. Um, students who meet all these boxes look very similar. And so in having everyone that checks each of these bo- individual boxes doesn't necessarily always make for a very interesting or diverse incoming class. When they say all of these boxes, if the box is, hey, you, you got it five, top 5% of your class, I think it would make things more diverse because that means the top 5% of the inner city high schools get in, the top five of the suburban high schools, and of the rural high schools get in. Well, I- yeah, that's that's definitely true. And really, uh, based on a survey done of the of the student population within the UW system, the biggest lack of diversity was viewpoint diversity. And so uh, that's something I think we need to work on more than any other type of diversity there is. Well, uh, that that probably right there tells you uh, why so many people are against it because. Uh, the viewpoint diversity thing is uh, is awfully threatening these days on college campuses. Uh, we appreciate you being here with us, sir. Thank you. Um, and as we said, the you other bet. side's always welcome welcome to come. Oftentimes they don't, but the invitation is extended. Uh, we'll follow the bill as it works its way through the legislature, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. A once-in-a-millennia storm has hit China. Funny, when we see all of this video, the one thing we don't ever hear about, either from the American media or the Chinese media, is climate change. We expose the double standard of those afraid to take on China and why it's so dangerous for all of us. Plus, being president is a lot about looking presidential. What we can tell from the new body language of Pence, DeSantis, Trump, and Ramaswamy. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Looks scary, but you probably haven't heard of the massive storm that brought biblical flooding to China. Of course, if it's hot in August in Phoenix, every network newscast goes wall to wall that global warming will kill us. We must all stop using fossil fuels immediately. But let's focus on a different word, not the warming, but the word global. Because evidently extreme weather in China isn't cause for concern about climate change. And there is a reason for that. Eight inches of rain in one night flooded low-lying homes and roads, turned highways into rivers. Of course, schools were canceled. You can see the flooding there. It's not over yet. China has experienced record heat and historic floods this summer already. All right. No mention of climate change on Chinese television or here in the United States. This stuff isn't even covered. Here in the United States, Hurricane Lee... Well, it'll be a different story as it makes its way through the Atlantic. It's now a Category 4 storm, 155-mile-an-hour winds. 
Lee's expected to remain a major hurricane over the southwestern Atlantic early next week. We don't know if it'll hit the United States. The coverage will dominate the airwaves. And we'll be sure to include why this violent storm is oh so much more violent because of rising temperatures, climate change, for example. But NOAA scientists say the record ocean heat accelerated by human-caused climate change will likely make storms more intense. Experts say that the ocean has already absorbed 90% of the warming that has occurred in recent decades due to increasing greenhouse gases. We're living climate change now, and the DNA of climate change is in today's extreme weather events. Of course, when storms on our coast get worse, they get worse because of climate change. You have record-breaking storms in China. Nobody talks about climate change, certainly not the Chinese, because no one wants to face the very ugly truth that nothing, nothing can be done to reverse rising temperatures if only one part of the world is willing to do something about it. There's a chance that if we all get together, we might be able to do something about it, that scientists can debate that fact. But the United States alone with Europe is not going to do squat, and this is why. China produces 27% of the world's global emissions, twice that of the United States. But when the U.S. tries to confront China, we are left with words like these. Here's John Kerry emerging from talks in Beijing this summer aimed at reducing carbon emissions. We had very frank conversations, but we came here to break new ground, which we think is important at this stage. Uh, And it is clear uh, that we are going to need a little more work to be able to complete that task. Uh, Ever the optimist John Kerry there. Uh, Chief statistician of the Heritage Foundation, Kevin Diarata, is with us now. Appreciate you joining us, sir. Thank you. Good to be with you, Leland. What do you make of this sort of double, it's not even sort of a double standard, this, this sort of wild difference in coverage between all weather in the United States comes from climate change, and in China it's, oh, well, there's just flooding. Well, quite frankly, it's ridiculous. I mean, we all want clean air, we all want a healthy environment, and we can all agree that climate change is occurring. But the bottom line is we've modeled this time and time again at the Heritage Foundation for years because these are the policies that the left continues to pursue. And we've noticed for years that these policies will come with significant economic costs and no meaningful environmental benefit because, as you noticed, and as you noted, that the, uh, that the carbon-based reductions that the left wants, that the United States, that they want to put the United States through, will not meaningfully impact the climate. Yeah, a trillion dollars on the Inflation Reduction Act, which was the Green New Deal, and then sort of whittled down to that. Best case scenario, lowers global temperatures by a quarter of a degrees. Worst case scenario, by 0. 0.0009. Uh, I, I took one statistics class in college, but I think that is probably statistically insignificant in terms of what it would do. Correct. It's not meaningful whatsoever. If we were to eliminate the use of fossil fuels starting today, by the end of the century, you're absolutely right, you'd, we'd have less than 0.2 degrees Celsius temperature mitigation. So it's just it's just And fossil fuels. So why do you think that the left puts so much pressure, and I just asked this legitimately, and so much pressure and so much pressure in the news media on climate issues in the United States and absolutely none on China? Quite frankly, I believe that they're just interested in government control. They don't really, they, they realize that this is not about the environment. This is about government control. It, the bottom line is, it's clear that their policies are not going to have any meaningful impact on the climate as China continues to pump out CO2 emissions. So if you're concerned about climate change, you know, there's a variety of forecasts regarding climate change. Some have predicted catastrophe. Some predict, you know, mild amount of warming, which is probably the path we're on, honestly. But even if you do believe we're headed toward catastrophe, their policies are not going to do anything whatsoever, less than 0.2 degrees. 
degrees Celsius temperature mitigation. Yeah, yeah we're, looking, we're, we're looking at China. Uh, Xi Jinping doesn't often pick up the phone when you call about this. <laughs> yeah, good to see you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. We told you earlier in the show about the struggles President Biden faces with voters in his bid for a second term. And one of the biggest advantages he has in terms of optics is the power of the office. He gets aboard Air Force One. He meets with foreign leaders as he's doing overseas right now. He shuttled around in the beast. That's the limousine. For those who want his job in 2024, they're out on the street where the camera lens can be a lot less forgiving. Take this, for instance. A British paper recently said of President Trump's body language, Donald Trump shows diminished desire to fight as lawsuits pile up. He's spotted in New York. Former U.S. President Donald Trump was spotted heading to New York Tower uh, in the city yesterday, but his appearance and posture showed a slimmer, sadder-looking version, according to a body language expert. Our new series, Body Talk, starts tonight. Our own body language expert, Patty Wood, is with us now. I don't know. I mean, is somebody losing weight mean that they're less in, less in control? I know, like, Ron DeSantis lost a lot of weight before he ran for president. Um, I didn't do that particular read you were quoting. Um, Loss of weight can show a significant um, energy loss. It can be a sign of depression. Um, But I don't actually see that weight loss in my recent reads of him. But what I have seen... You've been talking about his waving, right? Uh, 2016 waves high, 2021 medium starting to get lower, 2023 below the shoulder. Exactly. And you'll see that it would, was up. There's something called up body language, a buoyancy that shows energy and happiness and joy and victory. And then you see his waves slowly go down almost to the waistline. Hmm. And that typically is an indication of diminished um, happiness, a diminished um, feeling of buoyancy and energy. Um, And if you combine that with his other body language cues, specifically how the facial muscles are going downward as well. So even if you look at photos of him, you see the lines going down and it pulls your energy down as you view him. Uh, The whole time you were talking, all I could think about is what I was doing. Was I going up or down? (laughs) Um, (laughs) That happens when I'm around. Wait a second. Where are my shoulders? Where's my arm? Um, Ron DeSantis, interestingly enough, um, and look, DeSantis has had his awkward moments, but occasionally he gets pretty animated and you feel he's not as scripted or as um, calculating. Uh, as he as he often is, we want to show, play this event when he was being questioned about an issue involving uh, race and shootings and, and issues in Florida. Take a listen. Excuse me. me I'm not going to let you accuse me of committing Sorry. criminal activity. I am not going to take that. I am not going to take that. So you, you should. You want to have a civil conversation? That's one thing. All right, so what we're going to do uh, while you're talking is we're going to play that soundbite back, but without the audio. I've seen it for the audio. first time. I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> good, good. All right, so we're going to play it without the audio so you can talk about the body language we're seeing. Go ahead. Okay. First of all, the, the weapon-like gestures, the pointing, used to be highly unusual for any figure high in a political level like a representative um, or a governor or a president to do symbolic weapon gestures. And you can see he doesn't just do it once, he does it repetitively. And it becomes um, fearsome. And you combine that with the paralanguage of his voice and the staccato delivery 
and how he lowers his voice slightly and how he repeats the messaging as well. So all that combination of forward body motion, weapon-like gestures, and the staccato, hard, lowered voice. Actually, I'm hearing this for the first time tonight, and I'm going, wow, that's scary. Now, is, is it scary in a good sense, or do people read that scary as a bad sense? Well, it depends on the, the whole context. If, if I'm intuiting correctly, this is when someone was saying something he didn't like, and so he called him out on it within this presentation. So even that is a little bit odd because he's become hyper-aware of how he's coming across to the public so it tells me that his anger couldn't be suppressed. He couldn't withhold it. Yeah. Yeah, look, it was, look, somebody calls you a racist and says you're responsible for shootings. Um, you, you, you sort of break through the mold a little bit. And I think now his advisor has been right. trying to get him trying to get yes. him to do that. All right, Patty, Patty, uh, we've got a live town hall event next Wednesday with Ooh. Mike Pence, the former vice president. Moderating okay. live from Chicago, 9 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have you back later next week. Uh, to talk about uh, the former vice president, because he sort of changed his demeanor. We saw it in the debates. Um, obviously, yes. that it's a very different Mike Pence. So we're going to have you back to talk about it. Thank you. Uh, have a great weekend. Coming up, after criticizing the Trump administration's policies for years, current White House looks to Trump-era policies to save them at the border. Do they have the political will to carry them out? What happened? Parents were ripped, their kids were ripped from their arms and separated. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. We need cooperation with other countries. We need cooperation with refugee resettlement country, uh, programs worldwide so not everybody comes to the United States. They need to be resettled elsewhere. That, they, right? need they need to spread out. We're this spread, massive yeah. country. Well, yeah. And it's only going to get worse with global warming and climate change because people can't live in certain parts of this world. Well, the ladies of The View... Uh, don't seem to much like New York Mayor Eric Adams blaming the Biden administration for illegal immigrants flooding New York City and the ensuing crisis we've been reporting on. The New York Post reports, as we predicted on Tuesday, New York City schools are overwhelmed with new students who can't speak English. Many aren't fully vaccinated and have never learned in traditional classrooms. You can see they're forced to turn kids away on the first day. But according to the Los Angeles Times, the Biden administration has a plan to stop the problem. They'll force families to stay in Texas and other border states using ankle monitors until their cases can be adjudicated. Just so we're all clear, the Biden administration thinks that people who have come thousands of miles and risked their lives for a chance at the American dream will stay in Texas 
In other words, the Biden administration couldn't keep them out of America, but now has a plan to keep them in Texas. With us now, Chad Wolf, former acting secretary of Homeland Security under the Trump administration. Chad, nice to see you as always. So as I understand this plan that's so far proposal and has now come from uh, sort of the the unnamed sources, uh, otherwise known as, hey, we're floating this thing so we can see how it works in the press, uh, is that you would put GPS monitors on families close to the border uh, when they come across and say, hey, you can't leave Texas or some of these border states, therefore you can't go to the formal sanctuary cities that are now, quote unquote, overwhelmed. Does that work? I don't think it works. I don't think it works for a number of reasons. Look, uh, what we know is many of these migrants who come across the border, their destination is actually not Texas. It's not in, in South Texas and those communities along the border. So they have a desire, they have a need, um, and they are expecting um, to to go elsewhere in the country. Two, uh, you have to detain people in order to remove people. That's just how the system works. I've lived it for four years under the Trump administration. Um, this administration, the Biden administration, does not want to re- doesn't want to detain people. They've told they tell the American people that you look at their budget, they're asking for less and less money to actually detain individuals. They've removed and eliminated all family detention facilities. So the families are the surge right now, um, and they can't detain anyone, which means you can't remove them, which is why certainly outlined in that article is why they want to keep them there in in South Texas along that border so that they're easily removable at the end of the day. The ankle monitors are great. They don't always work at the end of the day. So I think I think this is they're searching for things that work. They realize that they are in the weeds and that they're underwater on all of their policies and it's not getting better. And they're searching for solutions here. And I just I just don't think that this is going to be a practical one that's going to make a dent uh, in the overwhelming number of folks coming across that border. Well, look, you, you've got, you got stage, stages of grief, right, that people go through. Yeah. And I guess at some point there there is now, there was the denial stage of, hey, there is no crisis at the border, the border is secure. Then it was the stage of blaming all of the red state governors for busing. Right. Now there is, uh, I, guess, I guess, this stage where they're like, well, we might have to try and find a solution or at least a Band-Aid searching for one. Texas busing statistics. Since August 22, these cities have received migrants from Texas busing. New York City, 13,000. D.C., 11,000. Chicago, 6,700. Philadelphia, 2,600. But then, by comparison, uh, CBP agents have encountered almost a million illegal immigrants since October of 2022. So just really a drop in the bucket, literally. Less than 10 percent, way less than 10 percent, are being put on buses to these cities. How much of this new proposal you think is in response to the idea that blaming these red state governors didn't work. Well, I think it's certainly that. I think it's also, I think they're getting an an immense amount of pressure from the New York City mayor, from the governor of Massachusetts, and actually blue states to actually do something about this. They're tired of seeing these influx of migrants come into their communities. And I think they are actually talking to the administration saying, you've got to come up with, with a solution. And so the White House and DHS is saying, okay, how do I save face? How do I keep our policies in place, but yet have a dramatic decrease in the number of individuals, for instance, that are going to New York City? But again, this idea that you're going to keep them close to the border, so somehow that is easier to remove, that's simply not the case. Most removals occur using uh, flights, using using airplanes. And, and you're able to stage those individuals across the country, as we did during the Trump administration, 
And again, it goes back to detention. You, you stage them where you have beds, where you can house these individuals, perhaps 24 to 48, maybe even 72 hours. While you line up that flight, you get enough to fill up an airplane so that you're able to remove. There's a lot of logistics that go into removing individuals from the country. And it's simply not just as easy as stay in Brownsville, stay in Laredo, and we'll push you back across uh, into Mexico. It's just not how practically it works. Uh, so I think there's a lot of yeah. problems with that. The, the other thing I would I would mention is I think it's interesting. The Biden administration, you know, two months ago, the numbers kind of dipped after Title 42. And they said, look, our policies are working. But yet when the numbers go up, as they have in the month of August, they don't actually cite their policies. They cite, well, it's cyclical and it's seasonal and it's all the things that you talked about, Leland. So either the policies drive what works and what doesn't work, but it can't be one or the other. Gee, politicians wanting to have it both ways. It's color me yeah. shocked here in, here in Washington now that the conversation has started again after Labor Day. Chad, it's good to see you as always. Thanks for the time. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. Zach Bryan does the right thing after an encounter with the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. Have we finally found a celebrity to be proud of? And I just wanted to be completely transparent with everyone who listens to my music about what happened yesterday uh, with me getting arrested and everything. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. They'd go to jail. Um, they didn't play favorites. And um, I was an idiot today. And my decisions did not reflect who I was as a person. And I just want to make that clear. And I should have been smarter. Smart. It's country music singer Zach Bryan on Instagram apologizing after he was booked by officers from the Oklahoma Highway Patrol on an obstruction of an investigation charge. The cops have yet to release a statement, but Bryan laid out what happened. He admitted to it. He says he was driving with his bodyguard. The bodyguard was in the car behind him. Bodyguard got pulled over. Things were taking a while, so Brian circled back, pulled up behind the bodyguard's car, got out to smoke a cigarette. The trooper told him to get back in the car. Country star refused. Several warnings went by, and then he was arrested. All right. I don't know, Chris. Um, I, you know, look, people do stupid stuff sometimes. Fine. But it was nice to see a celebrity actually stepping up and saying, yeah, I was wrong support law enforcement, I messed up. No, nobody ever says I messed up anymore. Well, uh, true, and let's look at why. Uh, you know, apologizing is usually an invitation to a butt-kicking, right? Uh, it's not like this is a merciful society very often uh, in the world, an age of crowdsourced consequences. And 
he really didn't do anything that bad, if you think about it. If I had to admit to anything that got me arrested, this is a pretty good story uh, in terms of not having drugs, not drinking, not getting into a fight, <laughs> not having a weapon. Yeah. You know, uh, this is this is all, uh, you know, in terms of reasons to get arrested. This is OK. Yeah, I know. I, I just I love it, though, that you've got somebody. Be, maybe that's even all the more reason. Right. That's all the more reason to say, hey, look, uh, I was sitting there, standing there smoking a cigarette. I didn't know why this trooper was hassling my bodyguard. How dare they arrest me? They should, you know, they knew. I, there, there's a lot of celebrities. Come on. There's a lot of celebrities who would have taken this exactly the opposite direction. You are 100 percent right. Um, you're, you're, you're pushing me on it a little bit. You're right. Uh, it is good to see someone not play the victim and just take responsibility, not try to demonize the cops. Um, and, and I would say one thing, though. He's a young man. Uh, as a not young man, you are what you do. So you screw around with a cop. That is yeah. who you were in that moment. It's not that's not who I am. That's exactly who you are, because that's what you did. And he did a great thing, like you said, coming forward and owning it. Respect it. But as a life lesson, yeah. you are that person. You are what you do. And yeah, no, you no, hope it's a good... that when you screw up and when you fail, you learn and you get better. Same person, uh, different attitude. Well, yeah, we, we, we all have our moments, don't we? Um, all right. Geraldo Rivera is coming up in a few minutes moments. on the border. <laughs> <laughs> See you. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. We got to run. College football is changing a little bit. You're going to like it. We'll tell you how in a minute. My mom has taken up going to the park to practice yoga. My dad's going to a club, but not a book club, a salsa club. Finding new hobbies comes with age. My mom has started getting lost and not knowing where she's going. Becoming lost or disoriented doesn't. Confusion with time or place may be a sign of Alzheimer's. An early diagnosis can help improve the quality of life for your loved one. Learn the warning signs of Alzheimer's at 10signs.org. Brought to you by the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Scott Strauss. On 9-11, I was a New York City police officer assigned to finding survivors buried under the rubble of the World Trade Center. Those were difficult days, but what kept me going was seeing the way Americans joined together in unity. It didn't matter if you were a Democrat or a Republican or anything else. For 9-11 this year, now a National Day of Service, let's rekindle that spirit of unity by doing good deeds. Visit 911day.org to learn more. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. My name is uh, Jinhui Zhang. I'm the chair of a computational biology department at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. As a data scientist, I feel so excited about seeing the potential impact, not only on the kids treated at St. Jude, but across the world. And I think this is a great use of the trust we got from our donors. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. 
Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Thanks for listening to News Nation on the Go. I'm Elizabeth Vargas, and this is America's fastest growing cable news network. At the Veterans Health Administration, we provide life changing care to over 9 million veterans across more than 1,200 facilities nationwide. Our hands are busy, competent, skilled, healing, helping, and friendly. A place where diverse teams come together hand in hand to provide full patient centered care. And where even robots lend a hand. Join hands with us. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov. Grandpa, look what I got. Wait till you see the bike we got for Jake. It is the coolest thing. Hearing loss happens gradually with age, making it easy to ignore. Yet most older Americans aren't getting their hearing tested. Dad, can you hear me? Untreated hearing loss can keep your loved ones from enjoying what they cherish most. Don't let that happen. Speak up about hearing loss. You'll be glad you did. Brought to you by the American Speech Language Hearing Association. How was your drive to school? Let me tell you. I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. There's something special about fall weekends where we have the pleasure of indulging in a packed schedule of college football. Got an exciting addition for your family room sports viewing experience. It's the CW Network, our Sister Network, a subsidiary of News Nation's parent company, NextStar, is going to kick off its inaugural college football game tomorrow evening. The Cincinnati Bearcats take on the Pitt Panthers, 6.30 Eastern time. There are very few things that encapsulate the spirit of America quite like college football. And look, it's a special moment. And even if you don't necessarily root for one team or the other, watching college football is pretty incredible. The CW Network just added ACC college football and basketball So, congratulations to them. Enjoy it. We'll see you on Monday.